You're listening to the Long's Chapel Weekly Message Podcast, available Sundays at 5 o'clock p.m. If you would like to connect to Long's Chapel or keep up with all events happening at Long's Chapel Church, connect with us via Instagram, Facebook, or on our church website, longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ, because all people matter to God. This week's message comes from our lead pastor, Reverend Chris Westmoreland. Good morning, good morning. I am so grateful to see you and grateful to get to worship with you today. Hello, my name is Chris. I'm another one of the pastors here in the life of Long's Chapel and um, excited about this time, excited about this week. Oh my gracious, does anybody else need Holy Week? Like I know um, every week has its holiness, but this week, um, man, I'm just looking forward to every movement of the Spirit and every way that we together can connect uh, to the profound nature of this story and not just so that we can memorialize or remember or observe all that's really important uh, stuff that happened to Jesus uh, 2,000 years ago, like memorializing that, remembering it, retelling it, all of that's really important. Um, But the thing about this Holy Week, I want us to pay special attention to is how what every single thing that that Jesus does in that week that we get to observe and remember and memorialize is something that he does for you and for me. And we have an opportunity to make that connection, right? And I just want to invite us to to do that this week as we share together. Um, As uh, you heard Pastor Tom a moment ago read uh, the scripture, I'm thinking about the best parade you've ever been to. What's the best parade that you've ever been to. Maybe even I could ask the question this way, like what's your favorite thing about a parade that you might have been to? On the count of three, maybe even wanna holler that out. If you can say it in church, I'm thinking like maybe some of that's Mardi Gras for you guys and hold on to that. But, but I'm thinking, you know, pra- you know, parades that, you know, like you can take, like family-friendly parades. Let's, let's call it that. Family-friendly fa- parades. Like, yeah, like one, two, three. Just holler at your favorite, favorite kind of thing about a parade. One, two, three. Love that. Concessions, get to see people. Man, there's always like people dressed up, clowns, like any kind of like kind of amusement or entertainment that you can possibly imagine. Sometimes there's like like really skilled people like dancers or bands or just really cool stuff like that. I'm thinking about um, a parade and how uh, you get to stand on the sidelines and you get to kind of take in what is happening. You get an opportunity to experience it. You get an opportunity to kind of soak it in. You might be with with a kid that you have to buy this like, you know, like this, you know, was made for like 30 cents in China, but you're paying $20 for a big blow up, you know, headpiece thing, right? Like, I mean, this is, this is kind of parade stuff, right? And it's like, there's parades, there's like people that are in the parade, right? And then there's everybody else, all of us that kind of have an opportunity to stand at the side, have an opportunity to kind of take in what's happening. And really the parade is kind of meant for our entertainment, I want you to think about that, and then I want you to, like, a couple of, um, like, uh, quote here. Um, This is uh, Rebecca, um, Rebecca Sunnett. A procession is a participant's journey, while a parade is a performance with an audience. Let me say that again, but use a different quote. Dean Kuntz, who says this, when it's something that you can't ever join but only watch, then is it a parade? 
Think about that. You can only join. I mean, you can't join. You can watch, right? That's a parade. That's something happening, right? In fact, most of the time, friends, if you try to join a parade, they're going to be some very nice folks dressed up in blue <laughs> that are going to kind of put their armor on you very gently and graciously and, and remind you that unless you have the right permit, right, um, like not just anybody can throw an extra uh, balloon in the Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade, right? Like kind of high security, Right? A, a parade is meant for the entertainment of those who are going to gather around. But, but a procession, well, a procession is different. And I think if I, if I was going to name this sermon today, I think I would say, what happens when a parade becomes a procession? What happens when a parade becomes a parade? Like where there's this kind of moment of what seems like there's all this stuff happening in the street and there's entertainment around. And yet when that becomes something that like kind of everybody um, who's there or at least many people who are there get caught up in because there's something happening that they don't want to just watch but they actually want to be a part of. Let me rephrase that. That's said poorly. There's something that's happening in the street that they need to be a part of. Do you notice the spontaneity of what Pastor Tom was just reading a moment ago, which is like, uh, like what's happening? Do you know the reason we have palms today? Like it's because they just happened to be on the trees that surrounded the road in the Mount of Olives where Jesus is actually coming into Jerusalem in his earthly life for the very last time. We actually have some um, pictures um, of, of kind of that place, that, that Mount of Olives place. There you go. I just want you to just kind of... Um, just kind of take that in for just a minute, because that's a bit of the road, obviously maybe even built up a little bit more today than it was then, right? But that's the road that Jesus is coming in. People are literally wanting to turn this parade into a procession, so they want to participate. They want to find a way to, to, to get involved. They want to find a way to, to be present in. And so they just literally start grabbing leaves off of trees, grabbing branches off of trees to wave them, to place them down in front of the donkey that is to carry Jesus. The thing I want to invite us to, um, to focus on for just a few moments before we have communion is two things. It's, it's a suggestion that I believe that Palm Sunday and what Jesus is doing in Palm Sunday is primarily about two things. It's number one, oh yeah, let's hold on that picture for just a second. Um, that's actually one I got to take. Um, that's actually one I got to take from Jerusalem. And, and if you see the Dome of the Rock there, which is where the Western Wall is, which is where the temple was, you get a real sense of um, Jesus and the, the, the place from which on this high mountain, Mount of Olives, that Jesus is kind of coming into uh, the old city. And um, kind of all that would kind of bustle up around that is uh, Josephus, um, actually a secular or a Jewish historian, um, not a follower of Jesus, um, actually tells us about Jesus and this moment. And the fact that there were two and a half million people that descended on, um, that descended on Jerusalem in this particular week to celebrate the past. Two and a half million folks. Like, that's a lot to us. I want you to think about that in ancient times and how significant that is. I want you to think about what it would have been like to have been a part of that parade that now is turning procession. Bear, bear with me for a minute, friends, because this is gonna be a little weird, but, but just hang in there with me for a minute. I want you to use your senses, because right now I'm smelling, I'm smelling the palm branches. Um, let's just like get the crudeness out of the way. Two and a half million people bring a whole lot of animals. <laughs> Can we just name that? Like there's no way you wouldn't notice that. 
coming into Jerusalem on this particular day. It's said that hundreds of thousands of sheep were lined up at the temple um, ready to be sacrificed as a part of the Passover ceremonies. And I, I don't mean to be gross here. I genuinely want to take you on an experience of the senses. Um, you ever been to the state fair? You ever been to a fair and you smell all the food and you just kind of know that you're there and it's a unique smell unlike anywhere else you've ever been? Or maybe you pull up on a, like a barbecue restaurant, which obviously the disciples, being good Jews, would have never gone to a barbecue joint, right? Okay, let's name that together. But, but that hickory smoke, right? that oak smoke, like that flavor that kind of, like that flavor and smell that kind of gets in your clothes. I mean, you know, just kind of, just kind of take that in for just a minute because it's unique and it's unmistakable and it's absolutely what is happening in and around Jerusalem in, the, in this day when Jesus is entering um, Jerusalem for the last time in his earthly life. Just think with me for just a minute about, um, you know, the, the, um, the smells of people. Just that many people descending on one place at one time. I want you to think about the Roman uh, authorities who are responsible for keeping the peace. Now, it will be just a few years from now, maybe 35 years from now, that Jerusalem will fall. Like, the temple will be destroyed. So that's just 35 years from this moment that we're talking about right now. So it tells you how delicate this whole Roman peace thing was, right? How delicate it was and how much, um, how intent they were on making sure that if there was any rebellion that was going to pop up that could spread like wildfire with two and a half million folks present for a religious festival that are already pretty emotional, they're just going to tamp it down. I mean, they're just going to tamp it down. Like, take no chances, like police, right? Take no chances. Take no chances. Better for you to make, you know, a couple of mistakes and be able to put that down than to be able to let something, like today we get this with social media, right? Where one person can tweet something and like 20,000 people and 20 million people have seen it before you even know what's hit you. Like this is something of what Jerusalem would have been like in that day, right? And like they would have much rather have come in with a heavy hand and tapped something down that didn't need to be tapped down rather than letting this spark somewhere begin to get some tender and begin to rise up and create this rebellion, which obviously would not only kind of take Roman lives, but, but also really look bad on their resumes, right? It's a volatile time. It's a challenging time. Jesus, who at various times in his ministry has said, um, hey, I'm doing this thing because I want God and God's power to be revealed to you. But several times Jesus would say, like, don't, but don't tell anybody about it. Like, my time has not come. Well, this is the time that Jesus was talking about. This is the time that Jesus was waiting for. And it seems as if, friends, he wants to make sure that we're able to grab hold of two things, that his um, trip into Jerusalem on this particular day is, is getting a chance to, um, to illustrate for us. No, number one is Jesus unmistakably wants us to get a sense of who he is unmistakably wants us to get a sense of who he is. Um, part of what Pastor Tom read in the Gospel of John is actually um, an Old Testament scripture um, and a bit of a prophecy, right? So, um, you know, this notion of the king coming in on a cult, coming into Jerusalem, like ready to like be savior for the people. Like, like there's some beautiful Old Testament imagery there and it's really clear um, that, that Jesus is affirming and that Jesus' disciples have been 
and affirming that this is that moment and he is that king. When um, they're waving palm branches and they're yelling Hosanna, the words Hosanna, the word Hosanna, do you know what that actually means? Like literally, if you know it, you could just holler it out. If you don't know it, it's okay. Do you know what that means? It means save us. It means save us. The Roman authorities loved that, right? Like they were the powers that be that like most folks on that road wanted to be saved from. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, save us from on high. Save us. Jesus, save us. Now, um, the, like Josephus, the, that historian I mentioned a moment ago, tells us that on the other end of Jerusalem, the way more popular end, um, the way more triumphant entrance, there was a like, massive uh, Roman warrior that is actually coming into Jerusalem to keep the peace for this particular week. Um, and he is going to ride the most amazing, biggest, white military horse you could ever possibly imagine to make the biggest show of force and to have all of his... His army in tow, and like this is going to be a parade to remember. Think about the military parades that you might have seen even on TV, China, Russia. Like I'm just inviting you to think about and where they kind of bring out all the arsenal, right? Because they just want to make a show of force. And, and like I want you to think about the fact that Rome is like on the other end of the city. That is happening, and that's power, right? Like that's real power. But on this end, on this end, the Mount of Olives, there's some. Like there's some, some disciples from the Galilee who were mostly fishermen and folks from like places like Capernaum that a lot of people in Jerusalem would have never even heard of except that it's possible that their menu for the evening at their favorite dining restaurant might have said where the fish comes from. Like the local catch. But, but, but most of them wouldn't have been there, right? Like, so I want you to think about that and think about the, the interesting notion of what it means that this king, this king doesn't come with a big army. This king doesn't come with a big show of force. In fact, this king is, I want you to think about riding a donkey. I want you to think about the difference in riding a big old stallion horse kind of like thing. And then I want you to think about riding a donkey. A donkey is what versus a horse? lot smaller. Like, I'm not a farmer, but I know that, right? Like, like, like this, is, um, this is pretty small stuff. This is pretty small stuff. I want you to think about that image that you've probably heard of, even if you haven't read the Bible story. There's this notion about a wee little man, right? A wee little man in the Bible named Zacchaeus, who wants to get a glimpse of Jesus, but um, can't because he's small, and there's a big crowd that's gathered around him, and so he does what? He climbs up a tree to get a better view, I you to think about like why you would, like, like if I'm riding a horse into Jerusalem, like five, six, seven, eight, nine people deep, I can see what's happening. But a, but a donkey, a foal of a colt, like, like I gotta, I gotta squeeze into kind of like the first row to even begin to see what's happening. And even when I see it, it doesn't look that impressive, does it? And yet... Like the king of kings and the Lord of lords is riding into the, the holy city and is announcing something of his willingness 
and ability to bring salvation and healing and reconciliation to a world that is broken and hurting and desperately needing a savior. Does that sound familiar to you? Does that sound familiar to you? In addition to Jesus kind of acknowledging this notion of king of kings and um, Lord of lords, there's also this um, profound uh, image that I have um, of walking that journey in Jerusalem and realizing that the largest um, cemetery in Jerusalem is the majority of what Jesus would have passed as he walked into Jerusalem on that day. Almost like a foreshadowing of this is a way of death. Almost like a glimpse of that. Like there's really only one place that this can actually go and it's like to abundant and eternal life but that's gonna have to, like that's gonna have to encounter death before it can be ultimate life. And, and so that's almost like the second thing. Like not only is Jesus share, sharing something of who he is in a time where, as um, the Gospels have told it, he, he's been a little muddy on that message from time to time, right? The things he's been doing have been very clear, but his ability or willingness to be able to share that more broadly has been a little bit more confused. But, but secondly, what Jesus seems to be doing here is not just announcing his own um, identity uh, and his own uh, willingness and ability to, on God's behalf, bring salvation, but also to remind um, the Jewish people that are under this Roman occupation to remind them of who they are. Because many of them, like many of us, have forgotten. To remind them of who they are. To like lead them to a true encounter of worship. A, a true experience of mercy and grace. A, a true experience of what it means to follow one who um, brings in all of his glory messages like, and you know what? The first will become last and the last will become first. Like blessed are the poor. <laughs> like, blessed are those who have nothing, because they're at least starting from a place where God can fill them up. Like, just want to invite you to grab hold of, like, the hope of that message and the fact that, like, the next day, right, like, one of the first things that Jesus will do when he's in Jerusalem is he'll go to the temple, and he'll see that there are folks that are being taken advantage of and getting charged a temple tax, and so they can only use certain kind of money inside the temple, and so they have to exchange whatever money they have from wherever they came from. They have to exchange that, and, of course, the exchangers take a bit of a rate and all that kind of stuff, and, and then the Pharisees, of course, get their cut because it's, you know, the temple, it's their property, and... I mean, you got all this stuff, right? Everybody reaching their hand into, you know, anybody's pocket who possibly could. And, and that's like the only acceptable coin, the only acceptable sacrifice in this part of the temple. And, and Jesus is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You like, like turn this house of worship into a den of robbers. Like, what are you doing? Like, remember who you are. Because everybody else has told you who you are and you've bought the lies. And now I want to remind you of the truth. Jesus says, I want to remind you of the truth that like those Roman authorities up there, like they don't get to tell you who you are. Like they don't get to tell you who you are because God has already determined who you are. Like God has said, this is who you are. Like you are beloved. So even in moments when you don't act beloved, like that doesn't mean you're not beloved. That just means you bought into a lie that some other identity is more important than the one that was given to you before you were even you. 
And God's inviting you to claim that because like part of this whole message about Jesus is not just about announcing who he is, but announcing the whole purpose of his ministry of salvation, which he will bleed and die for, is to make sure that you know who you are and that I know who I am and our identity is one that cannot be taken away by anybody. By anyway, I want you to think about all the forces that press in to try to tell us who we are. And I want you to think about a savior that rides on a donkey off the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem where nobody's really prepared for this parade, much less for the parade to turn into a procession. And yet Jesus is coming to offer something of remarkable and incredible hope to the world. I love how um, C.S. Lewis says this. I was going to save this for Easter Sunday, but I just can't save it for Easter Sunday because it's too brilliant. Um, He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Say that with me, will you? He didn't come to make good. He came to make dead people alive. Friends, that's, that's the story. That's the journey. You um, are called a lot of names. Most of them are good names, by the way. Sometimes you get called some names that may not be quite as good. Um, you know, we all, we all encounter that from time to time. But I, I want you to be able to grab hold of a truth that's between you and, and, and God, your heart and God, where God claims you beloved and where no matter what other adjectives you may go by and no matter how else you may describe your life, God says there are some things that describe your life that are underneath and foundational to all of that and they're even way more important because you are a child of God and you are being saved and you are being redeemed and delivered and rescued and forgiven and justified. You're being like led to new life, which means you're being born again. Because that's what happens when we let go of uh, living life for ourselves and allow that part of us to die in a way that Christ can multiply the life that we have exponentially because we're willing to live a life that doesn't just serve us, but a life that can be given away by the power of the Spirit of God and can be given away indiscriminately by the power of the Spirit of God. Um, I love, um, let me kind of just share two poems um, to close out this part of the sermon. Um, I love it. This is uh, one by a guy named Steve Holmes. He says this, he says, um, the king enters the city on his war horse while across town love rides a donkey. Guns and towers, vast machines, engines, generals boast of victory over the child and the hard edge of soft flesh, but the powerful strut, the shamble, loudspeakers announce their lies as if there were money in the darkness. They dismiss the sun. God slips through. God slips through. God slips through the locked gate and the high wall. In, in their high offices, the light is invisible to them. And the judge and the warden and the guards 
they believe you're nothing. You'll never convince them otherwise. But the stars and the air, they know. For your peasant heart rides a donkey, small and tender. Honor the royal majesty of the heart that belongs to love. Jan Richardson um, summarizes uh, this in her, um, in her poem, The Blessing of the Palms. This blessing can be heard coming from far way off. This blessing is making its steady way up the road towards you. This blessing blooms in the throats of women, springs from the hearts of men, tumbles out of the mouths of children. This blessing is stitched into the seams of the cloaks that line the road, etched into the branches that trace the path, echoes in the breathing of the willing colt. Right? The willing colt, the, the click of the donkey's hoof against the stones. Can you hear it? Something is rising. Beneath this blessing, something will try to drown it out. But this blessing, it can't be returned. This blessing cannot be made to still its voice, cannot cease to sing its praise. To the one who comes along the way it makes, to the one who comes along the way it makes. Friends, Palm Sunday and its celebration and its procession isn't just about something about who Jesus is and who he was a long time ago and what he did, but it's about, oops, that's me making sure we have time for communion. All right, um, but we, and we do have time for communion, sorry, but, um, but to make sure, right, that we friends are appreciating the gift of what it means, that this is not, today is not a parade for our amusement. Today is a procession for our participation and engagement. And we're invited, friends, if we come, let's just, like, give the invitation, right? Like, if we come to the table, which represents Jesus, and bread and, bread and juice um, represent something of Jesus pouring out his life for us, right? So, like, when we come, we come, whether we're waving palm branches or not, I want to invite you to wave the palm branch of your heart. And it says, God, there are things I need you to save me from. There are things I need you to save me from. The dark times, the hopelessness, the, um, like, another school shooting, like, all kinds of division, even where sometimes it seems kind of made-up division just for division's sake, health problems and concerns, like, rumor mills, like, breaks in family relationships and friendships, like all kinds of things, like grief overwhelming me, all kinds of things, oh God, that I need you to save me from. Most of all, oh God, Hosanna, will you please save me from myself <laughs> and allow your grace to fill me up in a way that I have something from you to offer the world. And so can we pray together? Um, oh God, we are grateful for the opportunity to come and to be um, in this place and to be able to share the gift of hope, not just about reading a story of something that happened a long time ago, but that this story is one that continues in this story um, like it draws us in right in the here and now. Because everything that you were doing, oh God, on that first Palm Sunday, you are doing right here and right now. Everything that you were doing then, you're doing now. 
Everything that you are doing in Jesus and those disciples and that holy city, you're doing in us and for us and with us. Everything. And so, oh God, we come. Because sometimes we get in the way. Sometimes we let other stuff get in the way. Sometimes, oh God, we believe the lies more than the truth. And yet, oh God, life can be hard and confusing and challenging. And in this moment, you don't sit there and flog us. In fact, you're the one that was flogged. You don't sit there and flog us in judgment. You just invite us to lay all of that down at your feet. To lay all of that down at your feet so that you can replace all of that brokenness with the gift of your mercy and grace which changes our life forever. And so, oh God, all of us in our own way, from our own heart, from our own life, from our own church, right, are saying, save us, Lord, save us. Because it's you to whom we look as we know that that's where salvation comes. And as you, oh God, have planted seeds of the kingdom of God inside of each and every one of us, you remind us that the kingdom of heaven is nearer than we know because you're here. And so, oh God, um, where we offer to you our brokenness, we're grateful for what you replace it with. Sometimes, oh God, we take things down, like we lay things down at your foot, your foot and, and then we take them back. And we pray, oh God, um, that in these moments that you would like fully replenish where those things held space and square footage and real estate in our life. We pray, oh God, that you would fill us up with such an abundance of life and such a freedom to live for you that there would be no room for that anymore, whatever that may be. We pray that, oh God, in the strong and precious name of one who was like willing to ride a donkey into a city where he would ultimately be crucified and raised from the dead to give us new life and to deliver on the promise of Palm Sunday where the crowd would cry out, Hosanna, save us. And so you are strong and precious name of Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Uh, friends, on the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread in that moment, we're mindful of a lot of different things. We're mindful of the gift of um, creation. We're mindful of the good things and the good news that God was, was doing in the midst all along. We're grateful for all the different ways that God has tried to point us to right, whether it's through the, the law and the, and the prophets. Mindful that everything that the temple represented on that last week in Jesus' earthly life that had kind of been corrupted and had been co-opted, well, like everything that that was about were ways that you were trying to point us back to your heart, oh God. And so in this moment, we long to be pointed back to your heart, and we're grateful that um, you didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, but you did, oh God, and Jesus come to fulfill them. And so we... Um, are an extension of that table, that last supper table where you gather with your disciples right near where you entered the city. And we're grateful, oh God, um, for the gift of what happened in that moment where during a Passover meal, you took bread and you offered the bread. You first offered it in thanksgiving to God and you first then offered it to those around connecting the two inviting all to take and eat, for this is my body, which is broken and given for you, you said. And so, oh God, likewise, after the supper was over, he took the cup and he, um, you gave thanks. And then you passed it around the, the table and you invited all to drink, 
saying, drink from this, all of you, for this is my life. This is my, my blood. Blood means life. This is my life, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, O God, we offer praise and thanksgiving. We pray, O God, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of bread and juice, that it would indeed be for us the body and the blood of Christ. This is not like hocus pocus. This is not some magic that happens in this moment. This is just simply, O God, your sacrifice and your love made real for us in a way that we can taste it. And so, God, we pray that you would help us to taste it and to take it in and to allow that love to overwhelm us. And so, God, as we um, share in this moment, we um, pray that you would touch uh, the deepest part of our heart, that like those first disciples, we may not get it all at once, but we pray, oh God, that um, we do indeed see the way that you are bringing love. And we pray, oh God, most of all, that we would not let anyone else take that away from us because what has come from you is eternal. The strong and precious name of Christ, we pray and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining the Long's Chapel Message Podcast. If you connected in any way with us via this podcast, we invite you to connect further by either leaving a rating and review down below or contacting us via our church website at longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ because all people matter to God. See you next week.